Welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. We are exiting the uh, bye week. The Buffalo Bills are coming off a of bye. It's uh, October 28th presently, and we are excited to see some football again for the next 11 weeks without a weekend off. And that is, that is, I think, the thing that Bills Mafia should be most excited about. We are at a juncture where we have a lot of Bills football to go, and it's an exciting team to watch. How are you, Dan? I'm feeling really good, let me tell you. Um, the Bills had a bye, so you and I, we, we took a nice break. And it let me dive into a lot of where the Bills are at as far as their league standing goes and a lot of key metrics. And I have to tell you, man, I love what I'm seeing from Buffalo. Beyond that, confidence-wise... I am riding sky high. So my daughter had her final soccer practice tonight and they did the a parents versus kids game. I was literally the Josh Allen of the parents team. We won 5-4. Oh. I had I had a goal and I had nice. two two very beautiful assists. I was literally 60% of the offense a la Josh Allen. I love that. I love yes. that for you and you know it might I think it's comparable. Like standing in the cold tundra after defeating the Patriots with a perfect game and beating a bunch of other middle-aged people and their kids at soccer, probably equitable. I'm, I'm presuming. I've never done either. So Yeah, no, 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 no. It, w- uh, it was the parents. It was the middle-aged people versus the second graders. So we, oh. we, we, we stomped the life we out of the second graders. The children. Oh, so <laughs> even, the children. even more... <laughs> Even more comparable. Yes, right? even more comparable. Even closer is that you had because because that essentially was Josh Allen's experience in that playoff game against the Patriots. They were the two exactly. year olds. He was you scoring five goals and four assists. Or yeah, exactly. I love my it. my daughter's coach told her to specifically d me up in the second half of the game, <laughs> and I, I literally was like, "You're Mac Jones to my Josh Allen." Uh, She's like, "I have no idea what I you don't mean, know Daddy." What you're saying that's amazing. <laughs> And and like and the worst part is I can see you being like, do you think that's going to stop me from being savage? It's not. This is my child. I, I that's right. I got to tell you though, man, she held her own. Nice. I mean, granted, I'm like 40 and out of shape, but like she did pretty good. I like this. This <laughs> Very is what impressed. this is what the people are tuning in for. Exactly right. Right. Hey, everybody. Our, our ath- Welcome back. Our, ath- our athletic. <laughs> we we ended our last pod googling stuff in silence yes. for a good 32 seconds, <laughs> and we're we're starting and we're kicking it off with. We're Adults on two-year-old soccer. <laughs> right. Like Adult it. athletic triumphs yes. over second graders. It's amazing. Yes. Um, what was a far more equitable equitable matchup in the in the realm of the NFL, my friend, was Chiefs versus Bills a couple of weeks ago. So the Bills go on the bye, we go on the bye, and we haven't had a chance to unpack this game. But it was Bills 24, Chiefs 20. And there's been a lot said about this game, dude. I think for me, I'd like to go over and just reinforce a lot of what's been out there in Bill's media and Bill's mafia. And then I think you hit on some key points with regard to the way the Bills have played Patrick Mahomes in the regular season that not a lot of other folks are talking about that I'd like us to dig into as well. Because I think that could be the path for what feels like an inevitable playoff matchup, but that could be the path for the bills to finally get that, that playoff curse off their back against the chief. But JJ, what were some of the things that you took away from the chief, the bills win over the chiefs? Well, I, I, the reason I kind of prompted you with, Hey, you know, Statner dig into some stats for me um, was, <laughs> and I, I ordered it like that too, um, was that the, it just feels like even though Patrick Mahomes is slippery and accurate and drives you mad when you're the opposing team, uh, opposing team's fans, uh, and he's incredibly talented. That's not to be, you know, questioned, I, I don't think. Everyone would pretty much say 
it's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and then everybody else. They're in their own tier. And I agree with that. But I just had this sense as I was watching the game that in those absolute clutch critical moments, Patrick Mahomes is less than a Josh Allen. In that, you know, you see Josh Allen uh, bouncing back from taking some nasty hits and knockdowns in a little bit more of a confident and composed way than you see Patrick Mahomes. Every time Patrick Mahomes has lost a big-time game, including the Bills-Chiefs Bills game, even though it was just regular season, you see a flustered, frustrated Patrick Mahomes. And, and certainly Josh Allen can get that way, too, if things aren't going their way, you know, a la the Jaguars game last year. But it really is a much more rare thing this season, and it's it's become increasingly rare to see that Josh Allen ever since the Bills buy last year. Um, you know, or, or rather halftime in the Tampa Bay game last year was mm-hmm. really like, we see this Turning stone, point. yeah, this stone cold killer Josh Allen, who even when things are really stacked against them, four turnovers in the Rams game, he never lets off and he never stands down. And I think that that's a big evolution of his game. And that's, that's what I saw was like, really, I know the quarterbacks don't play against each other, but they are the driving force for each of the teams. And you have to rate what they bring and how they carry that team. And I just think that they, you know, they just did what they had to do. And Josh Allen was, of course, at the, at the head of it. And it was it was awesome. Yeah, man. So to, to put it in some some context, uh, because, you know, Stats Nerd did his job for this pod. As um, you should. Yeah, you asked me to break down. Because amazingly, the Bills and the Chiefs have played five games in under 24 calendar months. They've played five games in a little under the last two years, which is incredible if you think about it. I mean, effectively, yep. when you include the playoffs, the Bills and the Chiefs are basically divisional divisional opponents, right? So you had me pull stats because five games is a pretty good sample to see if there was any difference between Mahomes' performance in the regular season versus the postseason um, and some key differences in how the Bills might be defending Mahomes in the regular season. So regular season, we've got the 2020 game that the, the Chiefs ultimately pull out. That was that weird game that was postponed a couple of times under the under COVID protocols. Um, that's also the weird game where, where Andy Reid decided to run the ball 40 times against yep. the Bills for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the whole thing was weird. That was Allen's breakout season, but that was just generally a weird game. It was like on a Tuesday night or something. Yeah, it was odd. Yeah. So 2020, here's the stat line. Chiefs win. Josh Allen goes for only 122 yards, pass rating of 73.4. Two TDs to one INT. Mahomes goes for 225, a 128.4 pass rating, two TDs, no interceptions. The following year in Kansas City, 2021, Bills win that game. Josh Allen, 315 through the air, 139.1 passer rating, three TDs, no picks. Mahomes, 272 through the air, 70.9 passer rating, two TDs, and two picks. And then, of course, a couple of Sundays ago, Allen through the air, 329, 117.6 passer rating, again, three TDs, and no picks. And most, most importantly, I think, only sacked once, right. and it was that Chris Jones trip. And that was one of the key differences in that Allen had been sacked multiple times in the other Chiefs matchups, including the playoffs. Not the case a couple of Sundays ago. Mahomes, 338 through the air, 85.2 passer rating. Um, his best since 2020 against the Bills. Again, two TDs and two picks. So that brings you to their regular season heads-up matchup 
Allen has eight TDs to one interception through three games with an overall pass rating of 110. You were right. Mahomes, the league league average is for pass rating is 100. Mahomes is below average against the Bills in the regular season, 94.8, um, with six TDs and four interceptions. It's the postseason where Mahomes has made his hay, and that's where some of the big differences lie. So in 2020, that that heartbreaking AFC championship game in Kansas City, Allen played respectably, though not his best game, especially in the context of his breakout year, but 287 through the air, 80.8 passer rating, two TDs to one interception, where Mahomes went 325, three TDs, and zero picks. Last year, the 13-second game, Mahomes, 378 through the air with three TDs and no picks. And that was Allen's that was Allen's Terminator game. He was 329 through the air, 136 passer rating, four TDs and no picks. So heads up in two playoff games, Mahomes has has thrown for uh just under <clears throat> excuse me, just under 710 yards, six TDs, no picks. Allen Almost identical, just under 710 yards, six TDs, and only one pick. Mahomes turns it on to a different gear against the Bills in the postseason. But in the regular season, I mean, they got this dude's number. Well, and, and I think that you're absolutely right. And I think the other thing that you'll see, you know, if you were looking at our, our screens at the chart that you came up with, and I really appreciate the color coding. Um, you, my friend, are a spreadsheet maestro, and I appreciate it. Um, Anytime. Yeah. So what you see is like a very, very obvious progression in Josh Allen's matchup, you know, history and statistics. And, you know, and if you see that on the field, too, I think every Bills fan knows that Josh Allen has has kind of went from in 2020 being kind of intimidated and struggling mightily against the Chiefs to he is no longer afraid. And his play is showing it. And I think that's exactly what I was kind of getting to with my prior point was just that Josh Allen just seemed more confident. That game had ups and downs for both teams um, throughout. And he seemed to be able to compose himself and bring himself back together a little bit better than Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, it's really splitting hairs. At this, they're both incredibly elite. Um, and all you can hope is that insane, insanely productive and accurate and awesome postseason Pat Mahomes – um, is the is rather the shell of himself he looked at like in the second half against the Bengals last year in the AFC Championship game when, when inevitably the Buffalo Bills meet the Chiefs probably in Orchard Park, which we're all hoping for. We are all op- hoping for. Let's hope we do not have yet another bye week letdown as we face the Packers. But but before because that'll really derail some yeah. stuff. But before we before we get to that. Um, I want to unpack this game a little bit more, and you know we said it in the the pregame pod, um, and I think it's still I think it's still relevant post game, even though Mahomes did not have his his best game. It's these two guys, and it's everybody else. And when you look at the strategies that each team deployed against the opposing QB, it was really interesting to see how it played out on the field because it covered cover two uh, two man high coverage, right? His, the cover to shell has been the way that you're supposed to defend both of these QBs, which is why everybody in local Kansas City radio and everybody in Bill's Mafia podcast radio world has been screaming for these two teams to get a run game for the past like three years, right? Force that shell to come in a little bit and then beat everybody over the top. Spagnolo did a really interesting thing, which you normally don't do against Josh Allen. And I'm going to do something and I'm going to give credit 
to Spagnola because I never do. I, I think that guy is like just slightly overrated, but he's hung around for a long time and he's got two rings. He blitzed the shit out of Josh Allen for a good portion of the, the second quarter. Um, and it had some efficacy for about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight plays that derailed a couple of Bill's drives until Dorsey made some really nice adjustments, adding extra protection for Allen, which allowed them to beat the Blitz effectively. And then from there, I mean, it, Kansas City just did not have the horses in the secondary to continue to play man-up coverage against these Bills wideouts. And Allen eventually found his groove, <clears throat> eventually found his groove, and they had some incredible, incredible scoring drives. That one at the end of the first half to Gabe Davis, which um, per, uh, per NFL Next Gen Stats, Davis only had about 2.92 yards of separation from his receiver, yeah. which is right, right below the league average. Like Davis does not need a lot of separation. That dude is just going to muscle everything he can away. But it was interesting to see because let's posit this for a little bit. It, have you ever, have you ever watched like a fast and the furious movies, right? I, have you yeah. ever seen those? It, yeah. it is. And there's inevitably that one scene where like, Vin Diesel is in the car and he's racing against some young kid, be it Paul Walker or somebody else. The young kid hits the NOS just a little bit too early. And he's like, too soon, kid, too soon. Yeah. And then he hits his and he ends up getting to the finish line, right? That young kid was Steve Spagnola Because yeah. I think, I think, had they gone with this blitz strategy, had they kept the game closer, gone with this blitz strategy as a closing strategy and not a game-long strategy... I actually think they could have had some intermittent success with this in the fourth quarter. And I'll be interested to see in the postseason or even for the rest of the season, if given the offensive line issues, the bills have, if opposing teams will start to blitz Allen more in, 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 in more um, opportune situations as opposed to try to do it in a game long setting. Cause I do think short term, you can disrupt this Bills offense for, again, a handful of plays and key moments if yeah. you bring pressure at the right time. What it, what it looks like to me, and this is not uncommon for the Bills over the past few seasons, mm -hmm. is what when they need to change their pressure sets on the offensive line, when they need to adapt to a new, a new look, a new front, whatever it might be, it usually takes them three series um, in a game. And that's, yep. that's good, actually, because there that are really teams – there are teams that get completely shut down if they have to kind of change on the fly something as basic as the protection schemes. The Bills seemingly, and hopefully this is true with Cromer, I know it was true with um, his predecessor, um, they seem to like have backup plans to backup plans when it comes to pre mm -hmm. the, the, the pass rush and protection schemes. Because what they were struggling with when Josh Allen went, I think it was like seven straight incompletions, um, what they were struggling with was the pass off on the delay so when there was a twist or a delayed blitz, the the pass blockers on the Bills' offensive line weren't weren't where they needed to be to recover mm -hmm. and protect their inside gap, and they were getting separated a little bit, and that meant very very fast inside pressure in Josh Allen's face, which is bad for every quarterback in the league. Every statistic points that out. Fast inside pressure is a killer for all passing downs, um, and so yeah, I think that. That's something that I, I'm a little bit worried about, too, because I think we both talked about how we don't have supreme confidence in the offensive line, even when they have all of their starters up. Right. Um, and they need to invest a little bit more, especially in the interior, especially with Mitch Morris is a little dinged up right now. Like They don't yeah. have depth at either guard or center position. 
And I am, uh, I am, the, how you know this situation is bad in terms of depth and worrying a little bit about that is that I actually kind of wish Cody Ford was back on this roster. That's oh how dire it is. That's how bleak it is. Because, oh my God, the f- street free agent market is worse than Cody Ford. There is nobody coming to save them if they need somebody. Yeah. So it, it, it would have to be a trade. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to be a trade situation. And it'd have to be a trade like, this this coming week. That's it. Like right. Because then the deadline. And I mean, hits. yeah. And I mean, I mean, really, you're talking about grabbing somebody who, like, a former first round, second round pick, like Cody Ford, who hasn't reached their potential in the system that they're in, and you're taking a flyer on them. You're maybe parting with a fifth, fourth round pick, and you're just yep. hoping that they could be that depth solution that you need. Now, I will say this. Other than those handful of plays where Allen faced pressure, the adjustments that Dorsey and Cromer made, um, as you've alluded to, were really, really effective. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, two of, two of Allen's pet three TD passes came versus uh, blitz pressure. Yeah, yes. And Casey, Casey rushers, and this is going to be a problem for, I think, Kansas City, a bigger problem than folks want to admit. Kansas City rushers, outside of that, that second half, that early first, second quarter burst, they weren't really getting close to Allen. No. So, so again, NFL Next Gen Stats had a wonderful charts for me to, to to break down on this. When you look at the four primary pass rushers for KC, uh, Chris Jones, his average was 4.91 yards away from Allen at Allen's point of release. Wow. League average, yeah, league average is closer to about three yards, right? Yep. Which is right where the Bills were. It's like 3.3 yards. Um, Frank Clark, 5.2 yards. Carlos Dunlap, 5.2 yards. George Karloftis, the rookie, six yards, right? Wow. Even yeah. in the face of all that pressure. And the O-line, they only allowed three QB hits in one sack. Now, yeah. I know a lot of that is on Allen and his escapability, right? Yes. Um, yeah, unless... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I... I, but I agree with you. I think the interior, the O-line needs to be addressed. And we really don't know what the health status of Spencer Brown is. Yeah. But he's been dinged up all year. Um, there's been a lot of reports that the Bills might be in on Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle for Philadelphia. At one of those high draft picks that hasn't really lived up to potential. Bills yeah. might part with a with a fourth rounder for him and, and bring him in and see if he can he can do some stuff. And they might need him if, if Brown is hurt. But... Yeah, man. There's it's slim pickings even on the trade market for that interior offensive yeah. line. They they were schemed well and held up well, and I think this is something something that Cromer and Dorsey uniquely bring to the table for this squad. But yeah. over over the next eleven games and into the postseason, I, I it's going to be something to keep an eye on. I feel like that's you know, and this is kind of getting off on a tangent a little bit, but I feel like that's a that's a coupon that any team can check. If you're an offensive lineman from the Bills and you're looking for another a second contract, any GM's going to say, "Oh, we're going to discount this whole the whole overall value of this by 12 to 15 percent because Josh Allen is a quarterback who does not get sacked. Lesser yeah. human mortal people would have been sacked maybe three or four times by the Chiefs in that game, but yeah. he was shrugging it off. And I, I will say this too: I think that. Um, as much as I've been bagging on Roger Saffold because he is he's been badly beat a number of times, he's the guy you want bodying up on Chris Jones because Chris Jones For is sure. not going to like Chris Jones isn't the perfect you know human co- combination of strength and power like Aaron Donald, so Saffold can body that guy up because he is he's all power rush he's power and he's tenacity and he's he's clever yeah. he's he's smart 
but he's not going to like hit you with the spin move that even like Jordan Phillips sometimes rips off. That's you know more yeah. agile than you'd expect. Yeah, and he has really improved the run game too, right? I mean, Singletary was a, a big standout in that game. Uh, yeah. I had I had a really crazy prediction that James Cook was all of a sudden gonna. We've been trying to replace Singletary on this podcast for like three years, and the Bills um, have for three years too. <laughs> and the Bills have too, but he he's literally the Isaiah McKenzie of the running yes. back room, like yes. uh, you know, like. Yeah. He's like the Levi everybody's of the, it, the Levi Wallace, the Levi Wallace, right? The Isaiah McKenzie, yeah. like he—he's that dude who has just hung around the team, and no yep. matter who the Bills have tried to throw into that spot, Singletary keeps adapting his game. Yeah. But seventy percent, um, it was their—it was their best rushing performance by EPA all season, which should should surprise no one. Right. And a few years back, when they were having real O line problems, you and I joked about. Zach Moss and Singletary, their average yards before contact was in the negatives. They were getting hit behind the line of scrimmage basically more yes. than any other set of running backs in the league. The The offensive line gave almost a four-yard runway oh, to Devin Singletary yeah. before contact. It was 3.6 yards, man. That's awesome. And That's awesome. It, it, That's what incredible. I saw in the film, too. They were, like, and that, getting and their that fits. Was all yeah. co- Yes, and that was all coming through interior run fits, mostly up the right-hand side, but yeah. all through interior run fits. So it was, um, I mean, it was just, it was really impressive, really impressive. So what the Bills have sacrificed or maybe leveled out with, with regard to pass pro, they, they've they gained a lot in the run game. Sure. And, I, and that's valuable. I just think we both would agree that, like, it's time, right? It's time for a kind of yeah. blue chip prospect to get to get added in there. That's a young player, but I agree. We, we'll I talk agree. about that in the off season as we go through. Um, I think it is worthwhile to talk about kind of Von Miller, the closer. Oh and my man, that's what you pay that man for a game like that. Yeah, what he meant to that team. This is a game the Bills lose without Von Miller. This is 13 seconds again without Von Miller. Oh, totally agree. Because on the totally last agree. two Chiefs possessions, he sacked Patrick Mahomes to end the drive, and then he pressured Patrick Mahomes to throw the interception on their last two possible opportunities to score and win. And that's like that is it, right? Like that's what you, that's what Brandon Bean talked about after the playoff, you know, exit. That's what they talked about all off season when they signed Von Miller is like having a superstar person on the defense who can shut it down in the same way that you have a superstar and Josh Allen on the offense who can like make magic happen in those last two minutes. It it was incredible. And it was, it it was augmented, I think by the fact because Von Miller's average time to sack was closer to like three seconds in that game. Right. It was like right in the two nine, which is slightly above, above where league averages. So, a lot of that has to do with how solid the coverage was yeah. uh, in the backfield. Um, and I got to tell you, man, the Bills did an incredible job shutting down the right-hand side of the field where that game-clinching interception came from against Mahomes. The Bills were absolutely locking down that side of the field. Mahomes going to his right, which is his his favorite side of the field. That's where Tyreek yeah. Hill would make a lot of his hay when he was over there. Mahomes simply going to his right in that game was below league average in passer rating, so below 100. Um, He was only 8 for 13 for 119 yards, no TDs, and both of his picks, including that that key pick to Taron Johnson. So Miller did his job, but as we've talked about, 
the way this defensive line is playing is elevating every level of the field at this point. And the Bills, they also played a lot of man that game, like we thought they would. Um, And they were able to stick with these wideouts for for Kansas City. I think this game exposed a couple of weaknesses that Chiefs fans knew the Chiefs had. They really do lack a a true number one wideout, even though I know Juju had a really good game against San Francisco. Um, And he he had that one big run against us, but I'm I'm still not on this guy as a number one bag wagon. So they traded a couple of picks for Kadarius Toney. And... um, and I also think it exposed their pass rush a little bit. Their secondary will eventually get better. Willie Gay will come back. Rashad Felton would be back for round two if we get round two. But their pass rush really does need a lot of work. I was scared to death they were going to get Robert Quinn away from the Bears. I was so happy to see oh, him go yeah. to the Eagles. <laughs> I was so yeah. happy. Yeah. So, yeah, so this exposed some weaknesses for KC. Well, and that's what a lot of the like KC insiders and media, you know, the beat reporters were saying about that game beforehand was really that if the Bills win it, it just proves what the Bills are, and they just roll forward. If KC wins it, they can keep things alive. If the Bills lost it, it would be like, well, it's KC. That's still the dragon to slay. But KC lost it, and the opinion they had is losing against the Bills is, again, just like last year, going to expose what our flaws are to the rest of the league and give us a disadvantage going into a playoff game, um, probably in Buffalo, right? Like if the Bills can Mm -hmm. take care of their business – um, Casey not only has been beat and matched up and lost, but then also might be playing on an opponent's field, which they do not travel well in the playoffs. They haven't really had to. <laughs> they haven't really had to. They've had home field advantage. I mean, God, since my son was born and he's what, right? like going to be four pretty soon. So yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, they've never had to worry about that. I mean, that was the Patriots old philosophy, yep. like grab that number one seat and just don't go anywhere until you got to travel to the Super Bowl, Right. Yep. Um, so if the Bills, again, can avoid a letdown and take care of their business, a, a KC team, even with a Rashad Felton and a Willie Gay playing in Buffalo, yeah. is still going to be a tall task. I mean, you remember last year, um, they didn't blitz Allen at all and had a really hard time getting pressure on him. They, they traded yep. for Melvin, Melvin Ingram before the deadline last year, and he played a really big role in that postseason game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs do part with some more draft capital and try to bring in another pass rusher because I, yeah. Chris Jones is playing out of his mind, but Clark Dunlap and Karloftis are not going to get it done for you. No. And they know that that's the answer, right? Is pass the ball and get to the opponent's passer. Like that is the league. That exactly. is how you win. And I think that the other piece of that too is like, not only have they not had to travel and sure they'll, you know, that's a new experience, but then they'll also even healthy, probably and we hope have to contend with the buffalo bills with tredavious white and kyrie alum or dane jackson or whoever the heck they have at the other side that's a different defense even without micah hyde and and i'm saying that knowing that tredavious white might come back at 75 percent of his all pro level um that's still better than probably two-thirds of the corners in the league totally agree i totally agree And, and dude it is worth mentioning uh, just again, how well that D-line played, not just against the pass and getting pressure on Mahomes, but another lockdown game against the run for this defensive line. Um, and, you know, it is it is really interesting to look at some of the advanced metrics on the Bills because they have always been, when it comes to pass rush win rate, top three in the league. Right now, ESPN Stats and Info has them at right at the middle of the middle of the pack in pass rush win rate 
but their pressure rate is higher, their sack rate is higher, and the defensive line is playing better against the run. And I think this Buffalo Bills team is really a middle finger to the sacks don't matter crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're yeah. A slightly, wor- slightly worse than a metric they've been great at, but they're bringing the QB down more. They're uh, penetrating on the imposing team's run fits. They're stopping the run in a way they haven't. There's a brute physicality to this group. It's some advanced analytics nerd on The Athletic, I couldn't remember who it was, was making fun of like Tim Settle because he's one of four, four defensive linemen that hasn't recorded a, a QB um, pressure this season. And I really don't give a shit because Settle no. is locking up the middle of that defensive yeah. line <laughs> against the run. Yeah. I really don't care. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Well, and, and I think too, it's like, the, it's, it's also people, it, it's always the story. This is why we literally started the original Keeping the Receipts podcast before we rebranded was the fact that the media would say all this nonsense because they don't understand anything about Buffalo because they're not paying enough attention to know about it. They just like have hot takes that they whip off all the time. Dude, Tim Settle is in on very prescriptive downs and only about 30% of the snaps in a game, um, even with injuries. And he is very, you know, hyper-focused tool to shut down the run, whatever they yeah. get with him in the pass is gravy because he came, he was brought to Buffalo to shore up that interior defensive line in a, in a rotation. So they didn't have any vulnerabilities and that's what he's doing. Absolutely. Because when, Absolutely. when they need, when they need a pass rush, it's not Tim settles the snap. He doesn't get that snap because Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, right. um, and usually Daquan Jones and that Oliver, that's, that's the package yep. you put out there at third long yes. when there's a, likely chance for a long you know bell ball being held on for a while so yeah but yeah that's neither here nor there i'm so freaking excited about the buffalo bills defense mostly because i was really worried as i'm sure you were i'm sure everyone in bills mafia was when they were leaving uh preseason and all of a sudden it was well Trady Davis white is on the pup list he's not going to come back mm-hmm. straight away um, they're going to roll out two rookies because Dane Jackson got dinged up. I was like, I was sweating it because I was like, this is not the time to be right. fiddling around with like rookies. And then we lost Micah Hyde. But I've been so impressed with the system that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have created that it must be so user friendly that these rookies, or they just are, have such a good eye for the, the supremely talented and, and heady football players that they got these guys in here who are excelling in their first year. Um, it's I'm just both. so. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's both, both, dude. And this defense, I mean, last year they were like the number one rated defense, but everyone had questions about, well, why they, can't they sack the quarterback? And that seemed to yep. be a glaring hole. That defensive line is a supremely well-tuned cocktail of chaos at just the right moments for literally whatever an opposing team was going to throw at you. Yep. And the reps that these young kids are getting in the secondary right now, when you add Trey White back to that, even if he is only 75, 80% of what he's been, if I'm an opposing squad, like, how do you... I don't know where to always, attack. I, yeah. Where do you attack it, right? Yeah. Where do you attack that? Um, yeah. You know, there have been, and I don't know how you feel about this, but there have been some rumors linking the Bills to uh, Jesse Bates, the safety out of Cincinnati, as a replacement for Micah Hyde. It, I, I don't know that that's where they need to expend some of that draft capital. Because um, no. when you bring back Trey White and you got that pass rush... Listen, Hyde and Poyer, they are essential in what they do. We saw it in the Miami game, the glaring absence of those two in that yeah. game. But when you add Trey White back into that and a, uh, a defensive line that continues to gain the momentum it needs to and the chemistry it needs to, to, to real, I mean, they're third in the league, tied for third in the league yeah. in sacks right now. Yeah. They've got 19 sacks on a bye. That's they're awesome. tied for third. 
Like it, this, this is what we've dreamed of. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's where you're going to spend draft capital if you're Brandon Bean. I, I think that rumor is probably junk. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's probably junk too, just because you know, you know, GMs vote with their dollar. We haven't seen Bean do do this much because he's he's had two really solid dudes in Poyer and Hyde who wanted to play for that team and stay there and weren't going to hold the team against the Coles for for more money. We might right. see a change with that with Poyer. And with Hyde out, it's giving Jaquan Johnson and and Demar Hamlin a chance to kind of get some some belts on the wall, mm-hmm. and they've done very well in in either of them in relief. And Held I think that own. yeah, I think that the Miami game it wasn't a lack of talent. I think it was just a lack of reps in those high mm-hmm. pressure situations. I still trust that they could be meaningful replacements for either Hyde or Poyer, depending on how the injury situation works out, depending how the contract situation works out. I don't know that trading is the idea, considering whomever in the Bills scouting department is finding these guys, and maybe it's McDermott and Frazier chipping in on that. They were able to turn, I don't, can you think of a between fourth and seventh round draft pick that isn't on an NFL roster right now that the Bills have chosen? And the only ones that aren't on their roster are the ones that they literally um, could not keep because they had too much talent there. Like yeah. they had to put them on the practice squad and they're starters elsewhere now. Like the, yeah. I, I have zero, I would so much rather have a draft pick for a cost controlled contract at what is an undervalued position in the league, but can still cost you a lot of money for elite talent than mm-hmm. trade it away for a proven commodity. Jesse Bates. Awesome. I don't want this to be he's any great. sort of referendum on his skill, but he's great. He's on a relatively big contract that I think is coming up again soon. So and this he's he's in his contract year so this oh, okay, is basically yeah. an expiring i mean this he's is basically him. it would be a rental yeah, yeah, yeah it would be a rental yeah i'm not renting jesse bates to pay him more than poyer probably wants um yeah if yeah. i'm getting mike hide yeah. back and i can draft one with a fourth or fifth i agree and you, you still gotta like and you still gotta figure out who you're going to extend Edmonds, who has played yep. bonkers a, his football. best year his best year. It's, he's having he's having his best year at the time that he needs it and or at Oliver so it, yeah I don't think adding Jesse Bates to the mix is is where you need to expend that draft capital um but I think that's a great segue as we start talking about the state of the bills here uh coming off of their buy any anything else that you think the bills are going to need to address here at the trade deadline outside of what we've already identified which is yeah. interior offensive yeah. line and then potential potentially right tackle depending on where Spencer Brown's at. Yeah. I think offensive line would be my number one priority. I do think that like, um, if it's not OBJ, I would not hate, there's no, there's no harm in having an extra fastball, right? Like yeah. if there's You're a thinking wide receiver, Jerry Judy, Oh my God, I'm thinking Jerry. Judy. Are you thinking, so hard. You, are you thinking you, Jerry Judy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you can read my freaking mind. That's all. I literally was texting my nephew about this yesterday. I was like, yeah. listen, the people I would want, are Jerry Judy um, and few others, right? Like that is that is the answer uh, because he's a young he's a young player. He's really he fits the niche that the Bills need, and that he's a speedster with size. Like that's something they could really use. Um, and I just he's think got two, I mean, year, he, two years of contract control left too, right? Yep, two years of contract control left. Hasn't had a quarterback for one minute of his professional career, and still produces. That dude might might blow up the league with Josh Allen for just because sure. he's got so much talent for sure. I, um, I've also seen some, some rumors that Hunter Renfro might be available, but I, I don't think the bills would be in on him. His contract is too expensive. It's, it's an $18 yeah. million dollar cap hit. And 
they've already i mean renfro is a i mean he's cole beasley he's a slot guy he's got an incredible um uh, he's got i'm gonna go with feet talent is a is a (laughs) subtweet of qb arm talent talent, a term you know i hate um he's got incredible feet talent i.e he runs a really great route um sure-handed um a lot like khalil shakir knows how to plant and go, but he's like $18.5 million. And I feel like yep. in Shakir, you've already got that guy on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's, that's true. I think that um, uh, the other player that I'd be interested in, and I know like I'm the one who's always like, we need a better offensive line. It doesn't matter who's toting the rock back there. If Josh Jacobs was available, that is an upgrade, right? Like Rumor rumor is that he is. And the, the bills were allegedly, despite yeah. rumors to the contrary, and on McCaffrey, so yeah. If they traded Zach Moss and some and some picks, even if it was like a four and a five for Josh yeah. Jacobs, I, I'd be okay with that. You you trade them a, th- a third round pick with cost controlled years and a four and a five. Mm-hmm. Tell I'll, I'll sign up for that. Um, it, Josh then, Josh Jacobs is what they hoped Zach Moss yes. would be. I mean, that dude yes. is a ball of knives rolling downhill. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I mean, I guess some other players that I think you could probably get for a very low pick, uh, Denzel Mims from the Jets. I loved mm-hmm. him coming out of college. Um, yep. Size, speed guy, kind of all that ceiling, but not the production you'd want. Um, to see him come in, maybe even Chase Claypool, he's kind of lost in Pittsburgh. I don't like him as a player, but it's another talent that they could get who's, I think, pretty cheap. I don't know if he's got a big contract. He doesn't. He's still on his. Yeah, he's still on his right. rookie deal, and um, I think Green Bay's got to make a play for him. Green Bay's got to yeah. do something. Yeah, I mean, they've got to do something at wide yeah. receiver. Yeah, the um, the offensive tackle Dennis Kelly from the Colts is also somebody that I you mm. know he's kind of fallen to the, a backup role down there, and their yeah. offensive line is flailing, and they're not giving him a chance. So there's just some questions there. It, yeah. So so, but like a seventh round pick would probably get him. How do we feel about the Colts right now here at the, oh at the Bills God. at the Bills coming off the bye? So oh, three years ago, three years ago, there were active debates on Twitter of who was the better GM, Chris Ballard or Brandon Bean. And I got it. I don't. And listen, I don't want anyone to lose their job. I just think it's a shitty right. thing to root for for the purposes of podcast content. But there are rumors coming out of Indy that that. Ballard could because he hasn't figured out the QB situation and he hasn't really drafted other than Jonathan Taylor any really good skill players yeah. that he could be on the outs after this season and if the squad Leonard. misses the playoffs and Darius Leonard right and defense um, got Darius Leonard <laughs> yeah but but they've done rent to QB since yeah. since Andrew Luck left they haven't figured that out and now they've benched Matt Ryan who yep. is set to make a guaranteed twelve million next year they've inherited that contract. He might just retire and take the early pension. I mean, yeah. it, and it's going to count against the Colts' cap, like dead cap. It's a hell of so, a severance I, pack, though. It, yeah. it really is. So, yeah. and and I rolling with Sam Ellinger, who is basically a running, like he's basically a Taysom Hill without yep. Taysom Hill's versatility. Right, without Taysom Hill's awesome special teams tackling skills. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah, I don't, dude. I, I don't know what the Colts are doing, and it pains me because I love Frank Reich, as any 90s Bills fan does. You love to see him succeed. He's a great person, seemingly. He's a Um, good coach. Yeah. He's a good good coach. He gets a lot out of those guys. Like, he somehow beat the Chiefs. Like, that happened. Right. That happened with that roster. 
he rolled yeah. out the corpse of Matt Ryan and beat Patrick Mahomes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I mean. Yeah, I love that coach. So I like to see them succeed. But yeah, I, I agree. For me, the biggest thing is just like what the what the hell are you doing at your QB situation? It's the most important oh position God. on the entire field, and you literally just kind of curled up in the fetal position um, when your quarterback retired way younger than you thought he was going to, and you didn't have a plan mm-hmm. to replace him. Like yeah, Andrew Luck had to go; he was he'd been battling injuries for four seasons at that point, almost nonstop. And so I, I get it. You can judge that all you want, but like, have a plan. Like, pivot, right? Pivot. Like, it doesn't matter if you were to already plan to like pick, you know, defensive backfield players and whatever in the next two drafts. But yeah, what are you doing now? Like, where have you been? You're trying out Carson Wentz, and then you're trying out Andrew Luck, and you rented Philip Rivers for a bit, like, or not Andrew Luck. uh, Blah. It's been Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's just, it, yeah. It, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett was at the beginning of that whole yeah. fiasco, yeah. Cause, well, and that, like, I don't, that's Jacoby Brissett. He's a good backup and has been and is looking pretty solid in Cleveland, except he throws an interception when you need him to throw a touchdown every time. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, like in the moments where they're going to lose by three points and he's got the guy wide open and just yep. miss it. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, like, the Jacoby Brissett starting, like, literally you had no choice. Andrew Luck retired at the end of preseason. Like, you have to do something. But every yeah. single year after that, you should have started maneuvering in September, October of Andrew Luck's retirement year in what you were going to do and not sign Philip Rivers. Like, that's not the answer. I would love to. I mean, I know this is a Bills and not a Colts podcast, but there there is connective tissue with the Bills, yes. with the Frank Reich situation. I would love just to look at just put side by side the last three years of Bean's drafts and Ballard's drafts and see how they're expending that draft capital. I I just, I would be curious to see where it's at. Cause I mean, Michael Pittman is an okay wide receiver. Decent. He's okay. They've got a couple of decent, decent DBs. Yeah. I'm going to challenge you on Michael Pittman is decent. His quarterbacks have been God awful. Like he, he as a player makes some pretty ridiculous catches he had some toe drag swag in their most recent game that, yeah. I, that I caught. So, like, he's he, I think, is talented. I don't want to judge him too unfairly this early in his career with no QB yet. But, I, yeah. you know, he could be I a Juju Smith-Schuster, though, is, like, what, I'm, what I see. He, I see that he could very easily that. be that player who's, like, you're or a good he, two or, or three. Yeah. Yeah, or he could be Allen Robinson, who was a right. good player on a bad team and in a similar shitty QB situation. Got a good QB and a good system and can't really perform, right? Nope. So he, he could up. be that too. <laughs> yeah. He could could yeah. be that too. So Alan one Robinson more thing, collecting the check. <laughs> one more thing on the Colts before we kind of flip over to some other things and, and Bill's break, you know, Bill's bye week stuff. But uh, yeah, um, somebody posed the question to me: what, Would you take Quentin Nelson for like a second? And oh no, I, I said no. For a second, I, no. I love Quentin Nelson, but it it, it was food He's enough for thought it. for me. Yeah, he, it was food enough yeah. for thought where I was like, okay, let me look into this a little bit. And like, PFF grades aren't the best, but they give us a baseline. I've I've said that a thousand times on the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a it's a frame of reference. Um, and they do a decent job of NFL of line lineman grades because you know what the, their assignment is usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so there, he was a. His rookie year, he was an 80 overall on 100 scale. Um, solid. His yeah. second year, he was a 91. Third year, an 86. That's in 2020. Mm-hmm. He is. A, he was 
rated a 69 with pressures given up last year on a hundred scale, and this year he's a 66 for this the games. He just doesn't look dominant mm-hmm. anymore. And I think, I mean, he went out with some pretty significant injuries. He's been, in, he's in been some of those really games. hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I think some yeah, of that yeah. some of that pressure rate might be Carson Wentz hanging onto the ball too yeah, last year. But that's yeah, true. he's been really he's been really hurt. Like I, but that, that yeah. yeah. And he's God. been playing hurt. He's been playing through some injuries as well because they yeah. don't have anybody else. And so, yeah, to your point, I think that that's, a, that's the kind of thing that you look at with Chris Ballard, and it's like you can't, you know, an, an all-time great guard in his prime, Quentin mm-hmm. Nelson's prime, it looks like it might have been a three-year prime. Like, that's that stinks, yeah. right? Like, if you're a GM, like, you can't plan for that. But at the same right. time, yeah, I agree that the depth of their roster top to bottom all on Chris Ballard's watch and their lack of quarterback solutions, it's it's been bad. That's tough because I, I mean I like that dude. I like that whole organization. I like yeah. Frank Reich. Like I, I, yeah, it's just it's really gone south quickly, and it it is a it is a case in point for if you get the QB right, everything else will eventually fall into yep. place. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, speaking of going south. Uh, quickly yeah man should we yeah. should we talk about these green bay packers we we definitely should with the the few minutes that we have left here because obviously yeah. the bills are off the bye it's been yep. fun to talk you know play a little early on uh madden gm to see if they do anything before the trade deadline but they got a game coming up and these buffalo bills have had some bye week letdowns in recent memory against teams who they they should have thrashed at uh, green bay is a team that they should thrash but Yes. I, yeah, there, there, there is cause for concern. Uh, there is cause for concern. I mean, the Bills right now are what a ten point favorite in this game. I think. Yeah, it was eleven earlier in the week. Um, I think. I think yeah. because um, what's this? Uh, who's not? Is it? Uh, who's not going to be in the? Who? Wh- they're down a wide out. They're down. Um, I know they're already down Cobb, right? Yeah, they're down Cobb, and they also are going to be missing. They got their lineups here. It was oh god, who is it? Is it uh, Lazard? Ellen Lazard. Ellen Lazard, yes. Alan Lazard, Lazard. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's actually Bad. Aaron Rodgers' favorite target in terms of target share. Um, oh, immediately, only, you know, as soon as Cobb was out, yeah, that's the only one he yeah. trusts. So yeah. it, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, they've got decent tight end play, but the Bills usually, other than Travis Kelsey, historically are great against tight ends, and that offensive line in Green Bay. Is having a lot of issues. I mean, this is the most sacked Rodgers has been since yeah. um, Gutenkust, the current GM, took over. Um, right. He made a really big deal when he came there about how that team really struggled to protect uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I think we we take guys like David Bakhtiari for granted and Rodgers' really stellar offensive line that he's had for the past few years for granted. I, I remember when like he was out in primetime games because the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, were getting to him real quick. Um, this is probably the worst offensive line I would say he has had since... I'm going back in my stat spreadsheet here. Hang on. I would say <laughs> since 20, 2014. Yeah. 2014. Well, it, it's been a while. And it, yeah, and it's made even more... It, it, it's, it's put in even more relief um, how terrible they're playing because Aaron Rodgers has lost some mobility and escapability in the pocket just a yep. little bit. I think he's still, I truly believe he's still absolutely elite. However, he's lost a little bit of mobility in the pocket 
and he doesn't have Devontae Adams, who's an incredible quick separator and just an yeah. all-around, you know, athletic specimen. And so mm-hmm. that that I think is showing itself. He's got a, a second round and a fourth round wide receiver that are rookies, and he's got Sammy Watkins for this game. That's it. Yeah. And, who like and Amari, Sammy, Amari Rogers, who they want to chase. Yeah, who they want to get rid of. And then like the entire right side of their line is very incredibly questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned David Bakhtiari. I think the best of his years are behind him, but he is still somebody I trust protecting Josh Allen, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's a good offensive lineman. Elkton Jenkins, who's a tackle who plays guard, he plays he's the Swiss Army knife. He's kind of their yep. um, version of Ike Butker. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's solid. He's doing okay. Josh Myers looks like he's going to be a stud at center out of Ohio State in his second year. And then they've got John Runyon's kid and another tackle I don't know about who is was an undrafted Yash Ninjman mm-hmm. as their right tackle. There's going to be some there's going to be some opportunities for the pass rush in this one, especially when you don't have a when Rodgers won't have people in the outlets that he trusts other than uh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. When who are great team, players. Yeah. yeah. When this passing game for Green Bay has been cooking, it's been it's been Tua esque. It's been yeah. short, quick outs, four air yards, three air three point three air yards. This is the lowest air yard average and lowest total yard total yards average that uh, Aaron Rodgers has had in his entire career. That they are they are scheming for an offensive line that is as bad on film as it is in all the advanced metrics. But that's not how Aaron wants to play. Aaron still thinks he can and wants to chuck it down the field. And I think that plays right into the Buffalo Bills' hands in this game. Um, I think this pass rush, I agree with you, is going to have a day. Aaron Jones is an elite running back. And uh, Dylan, his backup, not too far behind. And LaFleur wants wants a run-heavy scheme. So the strength, if you want to call it a strength for Green Bay, is their run game. But you got a QB who wants to sling it. You've also got a QB who you need to kind of game manage for now because he doesn't have the deep ball accuracy nor the deep ball weapons that he had when Adams was there. And the Buffalo Bills are just better against the run. It's going to be really interesting to see. This is strength on strength in a lot of ways. Um, this, this Green Bay run game against this Buffalo Bills defensive line. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if the Bills come out in a hurry, um, whether or not LaFleur is going to, and or Rodgers will have the patience to stick with a run-heavy scheme, or if they'll just start slinging it really early on. There is a world where the pass rush for Green Bay, which is still good, it's still above average, makes life difficult for Josh Allen early on in this game and keeps it close. Green Bay has led in a majority of their games at halftime. They are the lowest scoring team in the second half in the league this year. They have only scored two offensive touchdowns in the second half of all of their games this year. So there is a world where this game is close at halftime. The Bills adjust and it gets really, it gets out of hand really quickly in the second half. Yeah, I I think that that's... uh... That's true, and I think we've talked about it before, that the Buffalo Bills' second-half defense is just outrageous in how successful they are at shutting whatever a team's trying to do to them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that given the the weapons that Green Bay is bringing to bear, it's it's going to be – it might be even more a stark 
contrast first half to second half because they just don't have the type of they don't have the type of variety that they could throw at the Bills in a reliable way um, mm-hmm. to really scheme anything special, right? Like if they if they come out and they hit the Bills on a couple of scripted drives in the early early goings, I can see that working out. But once they yeah. run through that script and nothing's new and they can't like just beat with matchups, that it's going to change considerably. Um, and that's been the story yeah. of their season on offense. It really has. Yep. And I think that and that's this, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was oh, going to say. The, the defense is... I want to talk about the defense, but go yes. ahead. Yeah. Um, Bill's defense or Green Bay defense? I want to talk about the Green Bay defense because okay. they were supposed yeah. to be good and they are not good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make one comment on the Bill's defense. Again, sticking with the Green Bay offense versus Bill's mm-hmm. defense. Um, we've talked about the pass rush getting home. We've talked about how trust, how much trust we have in, you know, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, Kyrie Elam to hold it down outside, Hamlin and Poirier in the back. Like, that, I think that I feel comfortable with all of it. I just want to give, again, a plug that if you're not yet watching every single movement of Matt Milano's hiney on every play, you're missing the <laughs> best tackling linebacker in the league right now. And also a monster in coverage. Um, yeah. I only say hiney because that's like basically how I got Maya to be part of Bill's Mafia, my partner. So um, by watching the Matt Milano's <laughs> Matt Milano's Heine is the name of my fantasy and others. Team next year. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's fine. It's better than mine. Uh, I'm um, Dr. Jekyll Micah Hyde or Dr. Jordan Poyer. No, Micah Hyde. It's a Dr. Jekyll Doc- Micah Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde pun with Jordan Not bad. Poyer, Micah Hyde. Yeah, not I like bad. It. It's unique. I, I didn't like read it. that anywhere. I just came up with it. Um, classic anyway. literature. Classic literature. Classic literature. Classic literature. So, so we let's flip. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, flip let's flip to the cause, green green D. Go. Cause they, they got names on this roster, dude. Yes. They they've got names in the secondary, they got names in that pass rush. This whole team is underperforming. Yes. Um in, in really, really big ways. I mean, they just the defense for Green Bay, they're in rush rush and pass, they're they're suffering in DVOA in the in the early twenties. Like this yeah. is this was a team that many predicted would have a top four defense. The defense was supposed to be up there with San Francisco, Buffalo, and um, and Philly. And yep. the names that are on paper are not translating to a lot of success on the field. In a lot of ways, it's what the Cleveland Browns are dealing with right now, too, because they got names on that defense as well. And the scheme is just not translating to the strength of a lot of these guys. It'll be interesting to see if Green Bay comes out with <clears throat> comes out having learned anything from that KC game if they're going to go pressure heavy on Allen cuz they got guys that can expose the interior yeah. of that Bills offensive line which scares me it'll be very interesting to see if and when they choose to use pressure against Allen but i i think the flow of this game and really the flow that we've seen from all the Bills games this year especially with the Bills coming out of a bye uh, I, I think it's I think it's close or tied at halftime, and then I think the Bills break away at break away in the second half because I just don't think Green Bay is going to have enough to do matchup wise to um, to neutralize this Buffalo Bills um, this Buffalo Bills offense. I mean, Kansas City and Buffalo they basically know each other about as well as two teams can at yeah. this point. Um, Green Bay does not have that familiarity with these Buffalo Bills. So I think they do some stuff on the defensive side early on that keeps it close. But I, 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 like, unless I'm 
unless something drastic changes with the changes with their defensive scheme, a lot of these guys are just being underutilized or not utilized in the right way at all. And I think you're right. I think this is the kind of one of those situations where like it's not a lack of talent. Do you not? I'll let's play a game. How many of the starting eleven? If we if we had the the uh, Green Bay Packers line up in their nickel alignment, how many? Because that's what they probably will against three wide that's receivers. What they will, which, yeah, yeah. Which, which Bills will probably bring out quite often. So in their in their nickel alignment, how many of the eleven starters are first round picks? Just guess. Oh Jesus, seven. They got seven. Well, close six. So in their oh. nickel defense, their nickel defense is comprised of six first round picks, most of them top twenty selections, um, two second round picks, and a three, four, and a five. Which is like the three, wow. four, and five. That's whatever. But like that is an unreasonably high amount of first round starters. That's most a ton teams. Yeah. Of draft capital. Yes, and so most teams will actually put out either side of the ball, offense or defense, with probably between three and four first-round picks and then a mix of undrafted and drafted guys, right? Like, that's kind of how you comprise a team, and especially with those big money positions, you can't afford to have, like, top-tier talent everywhere. They've just been drafting defense. Every year that uh, Aaron Rodgers has begged them to get him a new wide receiver, they've just they've, gotten they've him more. <laughs> yeah, they've gotten <laughs> they've a defensive end another or, defensive guy. <laughs> or a, an outside corner. Um, and so, you know, in talking about their defense – I think that this is Jair Alexander, their outside corner, a top, you know, top 20 pick. He is, he's like the only guy in the league that I would want to cover Stefan Diggs if I had to pick one. Maybe his brother, right? Like, there's a couple, there's a few people that I feel like could cover Stefan Diggs. Jair Alexander is one of them. He might, he usually yeah. does follow the opposing team's best player. And so that will be curious because Stefan Diggs is a number one corner killer. I mean, he mm. likes to prove himself over the best of the league. Um, For sure. Looking at, looking at you, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that um, the real matchup that the, I'm really interested in is what they do with the slot. Um, Rasul Douglas is very good, and he's not one of those high picks. He's a third rounder, but he is he's a very mm. solid slot corner. Um, and Signed him off the street last year, too. Yeah. yeah. And their pass defense has been solid. It's they get gashed in the run, and then in critical like toxic differential plays, they give up big plays. And so I agree mm-hmm. with you. I think it's you got to track it back to um, to the coaching and the scheme because they have, they have so much talent, and they're just they're either not using it or the players. This is another thing. The players need to mesh too. Like that's that's yep. real. Like it's the realest on the offensive line and defensive line, but it's no less real in the defensive secondary or linebacker mm-hmm. core. They have to kind of know preternaturally where the other person's going to be and how they're going to fit the run. And that just comes from repetition training and dedicating yourself to the craft. It doesn't look, I watched every green Bay game. It doesn't look like they are mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and this might be, this might go back to a problem with, with having that many first rounders. Everyone's going for the splash play. And that yeah. makes missed tackles. That makes people over pursue and get out of position. They're getting gashed in the run because everyone's trying to like everyone's taking the candy on a play fake because yep. they want to go blow somebody up. And then the cutback lanes are there and they're just getting eaten alive in that situation. So maybe that's it too. Maybe it's this is a cautionary tale of don't have that much premier diva talent because you could yeah. end up with a bunch of people who don't want to be one eleventh. It could be. And and their special teams. 29th in the league in DVOA. That that Jets game, blocked punt, blocked field goal. They're like they're not even trying in that phase of the game, and it's cost them real points. 
their special teams EPA per play, and special teams don't take the field all that often. Um, right. is costing them almost a quarter of a point every time they take wow. the field. It's unheard of, man. It's yeah. unheard of. Well, Rodgers has muffed three punts, four punts this season. It's not a long season. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why they want to get rid of the kids. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, it, there's just lots of really surprising issues going on with this team. It should set up for a, for a great buff, a great buffalo bills coming off the bye primetime win this weekend we'll see like i said i think the bills ultimately pull it out but we're going to be sweating the first half a little bit yeah and um i mean do you want to get to a a predictions yeah that's a perfect place to transition over to predictions sure to go wrong my friend so (laughs) my 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 kc predictions were terrible by the way terrible only thing i got right was von miller yeah, yeah, the only thing we both got right was right. Von Miller. Yeah. Well, and the someone bringing up 13 seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was a constant, yeah. constant topic. Um, 75 yards rushing for James Cook. You, you had over and I, I had under and I was right. But that doesn't seem like a victory because I also thought he was going to get a receiving TD and he didn't. You did um, yeah. What were we so, thinking? What were we doing? I don't know. I don't even and understand. we're both like thinking that the Bills are going to somehow boat race the Kansas City Boogeyman Chiefs. Like that, that doesn't they, happen often just... anywhere. Yeah. They just know each other too well at this yeah. point. It's like, you know me, I'm an old, old school baseball fan. It's yes. like when the, the Red Sox and the Yankees, like yeah. early 2000s, were the peak of their rivalry. They played each other 19 times in the regular season and then would see each other in the postseason. Like, they had seen Pedro Martinez or Roger Clemens yeah. or Kurt Schilling 37,000 times. They weren't inventing new pitches all of a sudden. Like, guys right. get familiarity and they know each other. Yep. The chief, the Chiefs, and the Bills are just there. Like they just know each other too well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So that we were totally wrong about that. Yeah. Here's where I hope we're. Here's where I hope we are not wrong. I am gonna go. What's the over under on this game? Do we know? Forty seven point five. That's pretty low. That that seems like a reasonable adjustment for Vegas to make, given that the Bills have been the under <laughs> We've, for the, the first six won games every of the week, season. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for the first six games of the season. I, I think this one goes under again. I, yep. I I mean, I have a really hard time seeing how the Bill how the, the Packers will score on the Bills. I just have a really hard time with it. Um but then it's Aaron Rodgers, and I don't want this to be a get yep. right game for that team either. Um all right, man. Here here's mine. I'm gonna go Bills. I'm gonna go Bills. 30 or i'm gonna go bills 28 packers 12 oh my god you you was giving me a heart attack so are you in our show notes right now share doc no no why okay yeah i have a 28 to 9 bills win that i had <laughs> a couple of minutes ago and i was like i was just waiting for you to be like the packers are gonna get three field goals and it's gonna be a 28 9 bills win and for the under i was like you son of a bitch because that happened like two oh, weeks ago i, you just I did that my exact, i did that to you exact outcome yeah i did that to yeah, you, the no. pittsburgh game yeah yeah that was right yeah so um so no my mine is uh under 28 to 9 you think that the packers get one more field goal crosby's a good kicker that's that's reasonable um but also betting the under because that's been the the answer all year long it really has it really has and again i i think it's a tight first half 
Um, yeah. the, the Bills really got to deal with this first half turnover problem that they've created for themselves. They are still coughing it up, even in their wins, way too much in the first half. Yeah. Like yeah, that little they, flip, yeah. whatever it was, to Isaiah McKenzie in the KC yeah. game. Like, what the hell was that? Like, give me, yeah. give me a break. In the red zone, of all places. Come on. Come on. Yep. So, I want to do some, uh, do you have any props in mind? Yeah, let me think here. Stefan Diggs is a sole leader of of number one key, uh, number one cornerbacks. Alexander, as you mentioned, is 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 as good as I think he's going to face all season. That being said, though, man, Dorsey knows how to scheme Stefan Diggs free as fuck. So I am going to go. I'm going to go Stefan Diggs uh un, over under one and a half tds in this game and i'm gonna go over i think he has a multi multi t and it's nothing against alexander who is great it is all about the revenge mission that Diggs is on yes. and for only having 1200 receiving yards last year i guess and everyone's saying he was washed um yeah. i'm gonna go Diggs over under over under one and a half tds and i'm gonna take the over i think he's gonna have multiple okay um, I am going to disagree with your your point because I have my own prop about receiving TDs, and it's Gabe Davis over one and a half mm, TDs because yeah. I think that Diggs might come up big as he always does on like third down and like chunk play, you know, mm-hmm. money downs, and and when Josh Allen really needs somebody. But I think that Eric Stokes is a second year player on the opposite side, a first round pick, but has not looked super locked down in mm-hmm. his time. And so I think maybe Gabe Davis gets, gets a couple of TDs because of the attention they, they try to pour on to Stefan Diggs. I mean, Stefan Diggs is coming off of a game in KC, what, 10, 148 and a touchdown. Like that's, yeah. they're probably going to try to bracket him or double him at their own peril to to Davis. So that's, that's my, yeah. my go. I yeah. also, I've got a defensive one. I think Ed Oliver gets a sack, notches a sack, not a half one or more sacks. Um, and so I think that that's, that's going to happen this game. I, I hope just so. keep voting pre- for Ed Oliver Sacks all the time. Two, two things. We didn't check in on our preseason idiot predi- predictions at the bye oh, week. Yeah. But two things I said that I immediately regret. Isaiah McKenzie statistically might have a better season than Gabe Davis. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> Not happening. And I also, I also said Ed Oliver would lead the team in sacks, which if he, if he hadn't been injured, if he hadn't yeah. been injured in fairness – we could be having a different conversation, but yeah, but no, but yeah. you, you picked Von Miller and that's Von Miller all the way. Von's got what? Six this season. Six. He's uh yeah, he's, he's up near the league leader. He is. I think he's, he's tied for, he's tied for sixth. I want to say, okay. no, he's tied for second. Um, well, he was tied for second heading into week seven sure. with Max Crosby, who was at who, Max Crosby had six and a half and there were a bunch of guys clogged at six. So I'll have to look at those numbers after this game, but he was tied for second. So it's actually it's it's uh, Judon right now. Man, Judon's having a really good season. Yeah, and he's the he, only guy for New England having yeah. a good season. I can't wait to talk about that team, dude. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I know. They just, they're interesting. They're they're just they're in a freaking rebuild, and they need to admit it. Like yep. they're just. Just tear it down and start over, man. Like, God. So, so, uh, Von Miller is in fifth. He's in a... He's in a six-way tie for fifth with six sacks. Cool. And then the top four, Alex Highsmith for Pittsburgh, uh, Nick Bosa, San Francisco, Michael Parsons, Dallas, and Matt Judon, New England, with eight and a half. 
Jeez. Uh, Judon, Judon's having just a monster year. He really is. Um, I don't know that anyone else on that defense is very good. Uh, maybe Christian Barmore, but Judon's yeah. having a really good year. He's right. like, he's TJ Watt levels of one-man wrecking crew this year. But yeah, yeah. We'll talk. I can't wait to talk about the Patriots, man. I freaking can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait for Pat's week. Yes. Unload all of my irrational thoughts on him. And you're going to have to wait a little while because I think is. they see them the first time in like 10, week 10. Yeah, yeah, like December yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, but I can't yeah. wait. That team is so stupidly constructed; it, does, <laughs> I, it infuriates me. It infuriates right. me. You're, if you're doing anything at all, you're just garnering us a massive following because there's one thing I know in sports media that's effective to get Bills Mafia to pay attention, and it's shitting on the New England Patriots. That's right. We have got exactly. We have gone from recapping the Chiefs to previewing the Packers to throwing in some barbs at the. The New England Patriots. As and in any the middle, Buffalo Bills podcast should. and in the middle, we did eight minutes on the Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> just because. Yeah. Just I mean, because the Bills don't even play to. this season in the regular season. Yeah, I know, right? Oh my God, yes, God, I love this podcast. God, Me I love too. doing this. It's this really so it's such fun. a good hobby. It really right. is. It's so much fun. All right, man. Oh, cool. Do, well, you, do you have any feel, props for the defense? I've got nothing. I feel okay. content with where That's we're good. at. Yeah, I'm oh, good because I'm gonna. Because these are all of what I have said is going to be wrong. So I'm fine. I don't need to be more wrong on the podcast. I'm good with this level. Yeah. yeah. This level of wrong is enough for me too. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, good deal. All right. Well, um, remember if you're listening and liking what we're what we're putting out here, uh, like, share, and subscribe in, on whatever platform you get your podcasts. Um, send, it, send us something on socials, uh, Buffalo Bread Pod. And as always, Dan, go Bills. Go Bills.